This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack. We're all on the show today. It's our preview episode ahead of Oregon versus Portland State. Uh, the Ducks kick off at 12 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks against the Vikings. Um, Roxy Bernstein and Lincoln Kennedy are on the call for that on TV. Make sure to go to DuckTerritory.com right now for game preview stuff, our post-game coverage, our in-game coverage, and if you're not a VIP subscriber, you can get 50% off an annual subscription right now to DuckTerritory.com. Or if you're a subscriber and you listen to the show and you pay month to month, you're able to upgrade that and save a huge chunk of money as well to an annual subscription. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, no betting line for this one. Obviously, it's Portland State. Um, they don't really release them at all. If And if they do, it's usually the day of the game. Um, I am checking the ESPN app real quick. Sometimes they do have like a fake betting line, and it's not. There. Oh, I've I seen a, see I've seen a fake betting line um, from Bet Online. It's uh, last time I checked, it was minus forty-two and a half for Oregon. So, oof, that could be that could be the betting line that we go off of if you'd like. Sure, right. sure. Forty-two and a half is what we'll we'll save that for later down the road. Uh, but guys, let's let's dive into this one real quick. We're not going to do too much. This is who Portland State is. These are the players that have backstories, but more so of just like what we're excited to see because it's week one. I think all of us are going to pick not only an Oregon victory, but probably a blowout victory. Um, I I think it would be a surprise if one of us didn't pick a blowout victory. Um, So I'll start off first here. Um, I'm just really excited to see the defense and their physicality and their team speed. Like, Two kind of areas we saw notably improvements of with guys getting bigger, like Jamal Hill just looks significantly bigger than he did a year ago. Um, Jeffrey Bossa looks significantly bigger than he did a year ago. You look up front, the defensive line, guys are in better shape or guys have gotten bigger. Um, The defense was atrocious in 2022, and I don't think we're going to – we're not going to walk away from 2020 – the, the, the season opener against Portland State saying this is like the 85 Bears. Like we're, we're not going to sit here and say the defense is asked, you know, just undestructible. You, you can't beat them against Portland State. The Vikings shouldn't be good. But we should see some traits that good defenses show, like rallying to the football and, you know, ball carriers getting like two yards and then like four guys pushing him backwards. Uh, we should see quarterbacks at, from Portland State getting hit and put on their backs um, often. We should see, you know, the quarterback be sped up when he's going through his progressions because he's concerned about the pass rush. We should be seeing turnovers. Like, this is just a defense that was so bad last year. I want to see what they look like this year and kind of where guys fit within that defense. I think the defense is going to look great on Saturday. But that's not going to tell us too much, unfortunately, Matt. We're not going to get the full story until we get into Texas Tech. And then after that, once honestly, Colorado and Stanford will pose some challenges. But that Washington game coming out of the bye is really when we're going to get some feeling here. Because even last year, like Oregon took care of business against a lot of the weaker teams. But like when they played Washington, we saw the issues. When they played Oregon State, we saw the issues. Obviously, Georgia. So um, I'm with you. I'm I'm really excited to see all this come together, and this kind of is a tie-in for me. But I'm just really excited to see all the transfers that we haven't really seen play at Oregon, and it's like a really long list. And um, you know, you look through our depth chart projection, and like both Jared and I, I do offense, he does defense. Have half a dozen guys in our starting lineup or our two deeps right now that are transfer new guys. So there's just a lot of names to know that we haven't really seen play together. 
Um, and like you could go through a lot of the position groups and go like they've completely reworked their offensive line or not completely, but a lot of that looks different. The receiving room looks a lot different than it did a year ago. There are new faces at tight end, like just across the board, there's a lot of newness. And then defensively, it's, it's even larger. That whole secondary could look a lot different from what it looked last year. The, the linebacking core, depending on health, could be different. There's key, obviously the Jordan Birch addition up front is, is a significant one. That's maybe one of the guys I'm most excited to just kind of dial in on and see how he performs. Um, and again, we won't learn a ton against Portland State, I think, is just the through line. But seeing some of the newness for the first time, playing together, we watched him in the spring, but as Jared reminded us both times, these guys all play on the same team in the spring game. They were going against each other. It's going to be mm -hmm. exciting for us. And and I'll say it, this isn't meant as a huge jab, but we've gone through spring and fall without really seeing any 11 on 11. And so for, for I think, the three of us, I'm just also excited to see all the pieces fit, where they fit together. Right. Um, but there's so many new pieces that that's probably the biggest part of this, kind of just seeing what these guys look like together out there. Yeah, I'm in agreement with both of you guys. I obviously am excited to go and watch a football game for the first time in a couple of months. Um, like that's going to take precedence over everything. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, I there's a lot that we're going to learn from this first game on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball in terms of personnel packages, what a scheme looks like, what this player looks like and what position, you know, all the transfer portal guys, all the um, – potential freshmen who might have the chance to play in the second half because I don't I don't think the game is going to be that close or at least on, on paper I don't think the game is going to be that close um yeah I, I think it's um I'm not this is gonna sound mean I'm not overly interested in how Portland State is like I'm not I don't think it's going to be um like I don't think Oregon's going to struggle on either side of the ball. Like I am more interested in what you guys have already brought up and the point that I'd like to see who's on the field at what given moment. I'd like to see how they line up. I want to see what position these guys are playing in. Um, and, you know, this is all like a direct descendant of Dan Lanning's inability to let us go and watch practices. So, Eric, I will take the heat and, and complain about this on a public podcast for everybody to hear. We, <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Thank you. <laughs> we did not get to see Jack Diddley. And so this first game for us is going to be like you guys who are listening, you guys who aren't listening, who are in the, who are in the fan section, the students that are like the seven students that are here for school. Um, this will be the first time for you guys. This will be the first time for us as well. And I think that's what I'm most excited to see. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for me going into this game uh, is just where guys line up, what they do, how they look. Because um, there's, for as much as Oregon, I think, has improved on both sides of the ball in terms of finding a need, getting a fit for it, there's still a lot of question marks. And I have no idea if those will be answered. And they probably won't really be answered against Portland State, but we'll have a better idea if they're trending in the right direction. Like, I listened to the coaches' show last night with Dan, and then Bo Nix talked at the end. Dan said that the, the biggest improvement he's seen from his defense this season is tackling. And we all remember what Oregon looked like tackling, A, in the Georgia game, and then B, over the course of the season. So for him to go out and say that on the coaches' show, albeit he can't tell us during his press conferences, which is another whole story, but – that's an important thing that I want to go and look at. I want to see the physicality of what Tyshim Johnson and a guy like Kyrie Jackson, what those guys bring, some SEC guys to the Pac-12. Um, yeah, it's just it's just more of a personal thing, like a selfish, like I want I want to see um, rather than what I'm looking forward to in the game because I don't think the game's going to be that close or that important. Do we think like? The defense, like what, what's for Portland? We obviously aren't high on Portland State, and we, nor should we be. They're not very, they're not elite, at, even at the SC, FCS level. It's not like Eastern Washington when it was 2015 um, when they came to town. But like, at what point do we walk away saying like, wow, maybe the defense is greatly improved? Like, is there a, is there a a number of points or yards or maybe the most pressures or like, or is that just not even possible from this game? Yeah. No, I don't think it's possible. I mean, I honestly, like I, I still believe, like, I don't know if I'm going to have like a real true sense of this until the Washington game. 
is really how I feel. Because, like I said earlier, like the Oregon actually held up pretty well against some of the team type of teams that are about to play. Like they beat Colorado by a boatload last year. I know that team's going to be better. They beat Stanford pretty convincingly um, a year ago. That team's going to be worse. Like those are the teams that are. I mean, the Texas Tech game, I guess, is the the first test, yeah. and I think that will tell tell us something. But Washington is a bit of a different animal in terms of what that offense is and what we saw a year ago and the challenges it put on this defense. And so to me, that's the barometer right now is like that was the game that was the besides the Georgia game, which is like, I don't even know, like that felt like it was playing a pro team and Oregon didn't have a chance. Like within 10 minutes, we knew the outcome. Yes. No. Against what? And it was like, yeah, this isn't going to be good against Washington. Like that was a really competitive game where both sides offensively had a lot of success. And but the Oregon's defense obviously wasn't up to task and got beat in, in ways that were unique to what we'd seen for other parts of the season at least on a consistent basis so for me that's the game like i think coming out of the bye week hopefully they've taken care of business hopefully they're doing mental math you're five and oh going into that point um mm -hmm. and that they've looked good defensively but for me like that's the point of the year where i'm gonna feel like coming out of that game if they win and the defense does its job you're gonna have a lot more confidence in how the rest of the season goes and the flip side is of course true too if they lose and it looks ugly I think you're going to be kind of discouraged going into Washington State and Utah, which are the next games after it. I think I think we'll be able to tell some things on the defensive side of the ball from this Portland State game. I agree with Eric. I don't really think it's going to be a good barometer of how successful they will be over the course of the season. But I think speed is going to be something that you can kind of come away with because um, if you go through and rewatch some of Oregon's highlights last year or some of their lowlights, whatever you, whatever you prefer, um, the defense – wasn't that fast? Just no. overall, there were there were fast guys like Christian Gonzalez or um, even Bossa is fast for a linebacker. But overall, going east to west, which is something I've talked about on this podcast a lot, like they were just a slower overall team. So I think that's something that um, will kind of be obvious is just how quickly Oregon can can get to guys in open field and then bring them down, um, and then just kind of the the physicality. Um, and then the open field tackling to see if they are an improved def or an, are an improved tackling team like Dan has talked about. Because um, uh, Sasha Ray, the quarterback at Portland State, he's going to be active. He's going to get out of sacks. He's going to be running uh, east and west, north, south. He's going to be in the open field. And this was a significant problem for Oregon's defense last year. See Michael Penix, see Cam Ward at Washington State. Like, see a lot of any of the mobile quarterbacks that Oregon played last year. They had trouble uh, wrapping up and then even wrapping up in the pocket and then wrapping up uh, on the perimeter or on the sideline. So I think those are two things that you can kind of get a feel for at least. But I, I agree with Eric. It's going to be really difficult to take any real statements from this defense out of the first game. But I think Texas Tech should be a, a good barometer because they're going to pass a lot. And that was the issue with Oregon's defense last year. All right, let's dive into uh, – it was asked to, to be brought back. Let's dive into the stock report. The We're going to make new picks. We're going to buy new new stocks of players. Hopefully, I don't do as atrocious as it did last year. Who won last year? I, I know it wasn't Matt. I think it was, it was not me. I can it tell was you, you Eric, yeah. Returning champion. I actually couldn't remember. If Returning champ. <laughs> I couldn't remember. No, you, yeah, no, you got me by by a good okay. bit, actually. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I, I know. I know. Yeah. Matt didn't. Matt didn't understand the exercise. It was he was what he told us afterwards, and and right. and felt. But so, now he does. No, no. I it's not. I didn't understand it. I just executed it poorly. Okay. I treated it too much like real life, which was my downfall. Fair. We'll see if I learned my lesson. I don't know. I probably didn't. We shall see. So uh, overall, if, if those are listening or unfamiliar, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, something like that. Um, this is an Oregon player stock price game. Uh, if you listen to the Ryan Rosillo podcast on The Ringer, uh, I directly stole this from them where they do a quarterback stock price game where they take a player's like QBR or quarterback's QBR and then divide it by 10. And then that's the share of, of, of that's the player's share or the price of their share. Um, so I've done that with uh, every potential contributing member for Oregon on offense or defense, except for offensive linemen and place kickers and punters. Cause you know, it's, it's kind of like the fantasy football, like you can draft defensive players, but no one's going to draft an offensive lineman. They don't keep track of pancakes like that. So um, my formula this year has been changed. Uh, shout out to Josh McCollum 
uh, on Twitter. He suggested a couple edits uh, to my formula, and I did so. Um, he said to to focus on more like efficiency from players. So I had a last year my uh, my formula was you know like receptions plus yards plus touchdowns times two plus games played uh, divided by a hundred, and then that gave me the share price of a player. This year I did you know receptions yards uh, touchdowns um, times two, but then I divided it by uh, games played. So it's more of a, more of an efficient uh, it tracks more of like how efficient was the player, how many, how many yards and stuff do they put up in X amount of games. So it kind of showcases who's who's really talented, who brings a lot to the table every game that they play. Um, so that was a good suggestion. And for that reason, the the price of the shares went up. You know, the price of the yeah, inflation has uh, inflation has arrived even in this world. Yeah, even in this world. So uh, like last year, oh, I got it, I got it right here. Like Troy Franklin last year was finished the season. His price per share was $12.24. So that was catches plus yards plus touchdowns times two plus games played divided by 100, an arbitrary number of 100. So he was finished at $12.24 a share. This year, when you divide his total career stats divided by 23 games that he's played in, his price per share is now $52. Um, two weeks ago on the podcast, we said that we were going to have $500 per person to invest in as we did last season. Uh, no more. Uh, we would not be able to really make any money here. So we went to 1000 <laughs> We doubled it. Um, I think this is a more accurate representation of, of who is the, more, the most valuable player on this team. Um, so I, I, I like it. I mean, I did the formula, so I'm probably going to like it, but I think it, I think it does a better job than I did last year. So how do we want to start this gentlemen who wants to go first? You, you, you go first. I will go first. Okay. All right. So we had a thousand dollars total. Uh, I started it off. I, my, my philosophy, I'll go through that real quick. My philosophy was since we're focused on efficiency, I wanted to invest in players who don't have a lot of games played under their belt. But I know that, or well, I theorize that they're going to be playing a lot. I don't really know because we don't see uh, anything. Excuse me. Um, so I wanted to look at guys who had a lower games played, but I know would play a high volume role, and their stats would keep going up as the season goes along. So my first pick was Treshawn Holden. I put two hundred dollars into him, which comes out to seven point nine three shares. We're gonna do the split share thing because uh, rounding, you know, whatever. I put two, $200 into him. He's at $25.20 a share. I think that you know he's going to play, as long as he's healthy, he's going to play all 12, 13 games for Oregon this year. And I think that he's going to be an intricate part of the offense, kind of that chase Coda role. Last year as a Z receiver. So um, that was my first overall pick. And then I went with Troy Franklin, another wide receiver. I put $300 into him. So he's his price per share I just went over is $52.22. Um he only has 23 games played. Yep. Like he has fewer games played in his career than Josh Delgado. So I want That's a wild stat. Yeah. So there you go. And he already has 1100 yards, 79 receptions and 11 touchdowns. Um he could double his yardage total this year uh from 1100 to 2200. I went through the stats last year and he had like one catch for 41 yards against Colorado. Like yep. if he has multiple catches per game uh, he's going to get over a thousand yards this year. I'm well. I'm I. I put it in our prediction for Eric on our duck table, tuck territory round table. So I'm I'm high on Franklin. I think everybody should be. So I did three hundred dollars of him for five point seven five shares. So that's half my budget. I'm already down to five hundred dollars here. Then we go to the defensive side. Uh, I did not invest in a quarterback. I did not invest in a running back because. Bo Nix's price per share is the highest on the team at $134 a share uh, for obvious reasons. And then I never invest in running backs. I think they're uh, an unnecessary investment. So I'm with uh, Jim Irsay in uh, the don't pay Jonathan Taylor. Oh, camp. oh so, man. Well, just be uh, better with your tweets. Just handle your tweets better. Just that's all. Yes. <laughs> I, and I will try to not spend $15 million to get a killer whale back in the ocean. Um, <laughs> I put $200 into Kyrie Jackson. I thought this is a steal. Kyrie Jackson yes. has, I, I really like this pick. Um, and now I lost it on my page, but Kyrie Jackson, I bought 15 shares of him as a player. Yes. I think it's like $12 a share. 
Yes. Yeah, I'm. I can't remember. I can't find. Yeah, it, right now. it was. I thought it was a great deal too. Oh, I have him under Kyrie. Sorry. So yeah, he's thirteen dollars a share. Yeah. So I bought two hundred dollars worth of that because he's only played in thirteen games. He only has fourteen career tackles. He just didn't play in a lot, and so he plays in all thirteen games. And you know, I think he's going to be the cornerback number one. Like he's going to get a crap ton of playing time and a lot of stats. So I like that pick. And then for my final three hundred dollars, I divided it equally: hundred dollars a pop into three people, Jordan Birch, Popo Amavai, and then Mateo Uyunglele. Now, I'll quickly explain the true freshmen. I really had no idea what to do here. Yeah. Um, so I took their top 247 rankings, turned it into a decimal point. So if they were, Mateo is like 98, and I put it 0.98, and then, then multiplied it by two and a half. So the price per share are all very similar for the true freshmen. They're all really low. But given Dan's history of playing true freshman, I don't know if he'll play a lot of them, but I know he'll play Mateo. So $100 to Birch, Popo, and DJ, or not DJ, Mateo Uyunglele. That's two and a half shares of Birch, 3.72 shares of Popo, and then 41 shares of Mateo. So Mateo is going to be my four bagger. Uh, my dad taught me this. You know, he kind of invests in this. If he you know, quadruples in his price per share by the end of the season. And you've made enough money that you don't have to worry about whatever else you did in your investment. Like he's going to cover up the, the deficit. So that's my thousand dollars. Again, Holden, Franklin, Kyrie Jackson, Jordan Birch, Popo, Amavai, and Mateo Uyunglele. I like it. I, uh, I took a different approach, but I, I think we, I think, and it's probably because we like the same players and, have a similar feeling on some of the guys but we prioritize i think a similar group of players for most of our money i like running backs more but we can talk about that when it's my turn it is your turn well i didn't know matt yeah, did you have turn, any? Is it? well i don't know if i don't know was it my i'll, I'll go okay uh um, yeah, you go okay so i split this up into three groups and i spent 150 dollars on three players that i considered to be like blue chip stocks like just like they're pretty tried and true 75 on players that I think can really like take a big step here. This is where I have like the Kyrie, the Mateo, right. and then $25 on kind of just guys. I kind of like, I didn't really know what to do, but I wanted to just kick, have a little bit more exposure. So I, I, Jared had six players. I have 13 that I, uh, that <laughs> nice. I invested in. This might be, this might be what Matt did last year. And this might be the same downfall where he kind of had too many, the too wide of a net. Um, but my blue chip, I spent $150 on both running backs, Whittington and Bert and Bucky, and then, and then on Troy Franklin. Uh, and again, I wanted to invest at least a, a high percentage of it on guys who I think are pretty, I'm pretty confident in terms of achievement. Like I, that's just like baseline. That money is not going to be, I don't think I'm losing money on any of these is my thought. Now, am I, am I getting a big boom on any of these? Probably not. Franklin, maybe. Um, Whittington and Bucky being two that I think are probably just going to be maybe a little bit in, you know, small little, uh, improvements, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. and then my $75 group here, I have Tez, I have Ferguson, I have Birch, Taishim Johnson, Kyrie Jackson, and Mateo. Um, and I thought between Tez and Ferguson, those are two guys who, like Ferguson's value, I don't have it in front of me, um, and Jared, you probably do. I think it probably would surprise folks a little bit, considering how high we are on him. Like he hasn't mm -hmm. produced at, like what is it? It's about twenty-ish, I think. Twenty-three eighty. Yeah, I thought that was a really good deal. So I, I got about a little over three stocks in him. Um, Tez, I'm I've talked about a lot. I'm really high on, and then I basically picked my favorite three transfer defensive players: Birch, Tyshim Johnson, Kyrie Jackson, and I threw Mateo in there because I, uh, to Jared's point, the value is ridiculous so i've got like yeah. 60 shares or something like that and 50 mm -hmm. shares i don't know what it is in mateo um i just think the value is really good because i to jared's point i think he's gonna actually play quite a bit and like the production could be there uh he's definitely the only true freshman that i feel um pretty confident has a role all the way through the year so i felt like that was a good value and then my 25 dollar let's just take a shot on these guy group i have jury on dickie which is a complete dart throw that's just a cheap stock. And I figure, hey, maybe he ends up, maybe there's an injury. Maybe he ends up playing more than we think at the end. I've got Jeff Bossa. That was a tough one because I think, I don't know how much more he'll improve his standing because he's actually produced a little bit already in his career. But mm -hmm. I, I'm high on him taking a step. And then Devin Jackson and Popo Amavai are two guys that I'm, I'm very high on who haven't had a ton of production, at least in the last year or so. So those, that was how I spent it. So I, like I said, I split into three groups.
So I think I went in between you two. Um, last year, I overexposed myself. I was thinking 10 was going to be a lot for this one. And I also, I think I'm the only one, I did this last year too. I'm the only one that like factored in whole shares and tried to figure out the, how much could I actually get right, right, right. from oh, yeah. all the, you know, it's close to a thousand dollars as I could get. Possible. So I bought yeah, 10 I, players. Yeah. I was, um, well, I was, I was going to do that. Sorry. I was going to do that, but I was at a, at a car dealership and I didn't have a, like a real calculator. Like I couldn't really <laughs> efficiently do it all. So I just, just made it my brain. Rock. I think I, I, I did that idea last year, Matt, where it was like, I'm going to go for like shares of players rather right. than yes. like no money. And, um, I was just a, like, I just got annoyed by like how, how many, how much the math, math I had to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was where I so, was. Yeah. This year I was like, uh, screw it. Um, I'm just doing $200, $300. So I get it. Um, I went five players that I feel like are going to play a lot and are going to perform at a high level and I can get good value at. And then I went five players that are really cheap stocks. And I'm hoping two of those five basically hit and like what like what Jared said are four or five X of what they are at the beginning of the season. So I'll start with my five guys I think are players. Um, Terrence Ferguson. I felt like he was very valuable. I bought eight shares there. Mm-hmm. Treshawn Holden. Uh, I, I wanted a receiver. I really wanted to buy Franklin, but my strategy couldn't allow it based off some other guys. So I felt like Holden was a, a good value there as well. Um, eight shares, which came out to be like a $204. And then Brandon Dorless. Um, I wanted to add Dorless. I think he's going to go up, even though he's a very productive player. I think he's got better players around him, which is going to make him better. So eight shares there. Kyrie Jackson, I agree with both of you. Unbelievable steal. Um, eight shares there of, of Kyrie Jackson. And then I went back and forth here. Um, Almost didn't buy him and then decided I'm going to Jordan Birch, five shares, uh, which comes out at 192. It was very expensive. I originally had him at 10, which which took a ton of my money um, because it's $38 essentially for for him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Half your budget, Matt. (laughs) Yes. That was like the big issue. It's like, I really want Jordan Birch, but I can't spend half my money on one player. That's, that's, That's too much. Uh, and then I went down to okay, some guys that are that are cheaper on the on on the on the share price list. And Mateo, like both of you said, he's the only true freshman I feel confident is going to play. So I bought five shares of, of Mateo. Uh, I bought five shares of Devin Jackson because it's just two dollars, and we don't know what Justin Jacobs' health is going to be like. Um, I think Jackson plays on special teams. Likelihood his value is going to go up even if it's minimal playing time. Um, Kenyon Sadiq at 2.4 shares. He's a freak athlete. Uh, the tight end position, you know, Casey Kelly didn't really practice, uh, this week. We don't know if he's Mm -hmm. available. Um, Patrick Herbert is, I think a solid option, but he's, I don't think he's just like Uber athlete and maybe Kenyon Sadiq gets on the field and half the games and his, his value goes up. Jerry on Dickey. Um, I think he plays as a true freshman five-star receiver, those guys don't redshirt. Um, you, we could call them prima donnas because it's it's a position that's associated with it. But I don't think Jerry on Dickey came to Oregon to redshirt uh, his his first season. And it's unfair to call him a prima donna because we don't know if he is or not. But like that position, they don't five stars don't come yeah. here to redshirt. Yep. So I think he's going to play. Uh, and then I already mentioned Mateo. And then the last but last least, I just had some money that. I had to spend and I couldn't I couldn't tell myself I'm only going to spend like about like two shares of a player. So I ended up buying uh 11 shares of, of Kyle Casper. Wow. Um as a mm. throw in the dart, you know, dark throw. Let's see what happens. Maybe he catches two touchdowns this season and he goes from 167 to $3 and yeah. I've made some money. You doubled your money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Take that. Um I was gonna go and tell our, our listeners who the who the highest price per share people were on yes. all sides of the ball. Um for offense or at least the pass catchers, it's Tez Johnson. 
$54.61 a share. Yeah. So thought that was pretty interesting, but he's he has he has the most yards, he has the most receptions, the most games played. Um, a very productive player at Troy. And the Knicks, issue though I had I was, with Tez was like he did it at Troy, not at a Power Five level. That was like the hardest right. one for me to buy. Yeah, no, I get that. I I feel good about Tez. Obviously, again, we haven't really seen him other than the spring game, but uh, I think he's going to be productive. I just think that he's still going to run number two to Franklin for most of yeah. the offense, but. Um, he's just going to be he's going to be a significant upgrade over what Chris Hudson was in the slot last year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Bo Nix, unsurprisingly, the the highest price yeah. per share on the team. Um, I also redid the quarterback uh, formula last year was the Ryan Rosillo route where I went like uh, QBR divided by ten, but then like uh, he had very Nick's coming into Oregon had very similar QBR as uh, Ty Thompson, so th- they were like equal share price last year um this year i did completion yards touchdowns uh all of those combined minus interceptions times two uh and then divided by games played so bonix's share price is 134 dollars and four cents too much and ty thompson's is nine dollars and 55 cents so no disrespect to ty but this seems like a more accurate description of who is the more valuable quarterback in the room um running backs uh, Bucky Irving, eighty-two dollars fifty-six cents. Um, second or second most expensive guy on the team. If you wanted to invest in him, and then Noah Whittington was at fifty thirty-two, and Jordan James, who had kind of contemplated, was at twenty-four fifty. Um, I think all reasonable prices. And then finally on defense, it was actually Evan Williams was yeah. the most, or excuse me, the highest uh, price per share at sixty-five dollars and ninety cents. Um, he's got a lot of tackles. Got a lot of tackles. He got 226 in his career. So um, I didn't realize it was that high. He also, it's 39 games played. So he he could clearly add to that. He could finish with over 300 tackles in his career if he has a good season and stays healthy this year at Oregon. Um, other guys, Tashim Johnson was at 53. He was very productive and only 26 games played. Um, and then a lot of guys in the uh, mid 30s. Um, Birch, 38, like we talked about. Jacobs, 36. Um, Mace Funa, 33, and uh, one more person. Casey Rogers, $34.07. Thought he's been a productive guy in his shortened amount of games, only 27 career games played. I wanted to do some bow, but the price was just so it's high. too high. And price of the brick, man. And then I'm betting on him actually being like a, taking a step, which I think he can, but at the price, it's just that was tough. I didn't think it made a lot of sense. Um, Sure, maybe you could. I don't know if this is asking too much, and I haven't. Could you put it the the Google Doc uh, linked on the YouTube, or is that too much? Just so fans could also take part, or is that dangerous? Oh yeah, no, I can do that. Okay. Um, oh, the disclaimer: I'm not good at math. Uh, my mother will tell you, tell me that I am good at math, but I am not. <laughs> um, I'm only good at like computer sciencey stuff, so uh, I'm not good at math. Don't make fun of my formulas and. Uh, I will try to keep this as updated as I can, but sometimes we get a little too busy. I don't know when we're going to come back to this. Probably uh, by week. I think Eric said. Yeah, bi-week. I think by week makes sense to, to revisit. We'll have more time at that point in the year. Yeah, bi-week. so that'll be what five games into the year. Yeah, it's about the and then, Yeah, so post bowl game and post bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. I mean, we could even do. Bowl, I mean, because we will have a little time before the bowl. We could do an update leading into the, so That's we can fair. know like kind yeah. of where the standings end of, are. End of regular season. Yeah, yeah. End of regular season, maybe. Plus, by by that point, I can't anticipate a bowl game unless there's two. Unless Oregon makes the playoffs, I can't anticipate like the um, you know the standings between us three really changing. Like I sure. think, yeah, after twelve games, it should be should be pretty obvious as as to who is going to win. But maybe it's really close, and then the bowl game ends up maybe deciding it, it. And then we're sitting do, there in the, do we the want press to, box. Uh, do we right. want to throw in a – this is just a whole idea. But do we want to throw in the idea that we could cash in on some of our winnings to buy more at a later date? Oh, wow. Boy. Um, we, we can <laughs> if we want to go after week five. Like maybe – Maybe um, we do after week five. Yeah, maybe we can. Yeah, we, we'll get one opportunity. Uh, I think during the bye week is good. Maybe not even to cash in, but, you know, hypothetically, let's say uh, Rayshon Holden is out for the year. And he played two games and had a seasoning and ending injury. So 
you want to you know liquidate your cash from him and then go invest in somebody else so i think that's fair um but only once you can only do it for one time and one player so you got to figure it out i like that let's keep that good idea all right let's take a quick break when we come back we'll dive into some predictions for saturday's game uh, against the portland state vikings Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Uh, prediction time, diving in, like we said, uh, to Oregon versus Portland State, 12 p.m. kickoff at Autzen Stadium, Pac-12 Networks. Uh, the order is offensive team, offensive player, defensive team, defensive player, and then we go into our score predictions last but not least. Uh, I'll lead off with the offensive team. Um, I think – Despite four new starters along the offensive line, Oregon's offense is going to just dominate the line of scrimmage, and this team is going to run for 325 or more yards in this football game. A lot of that is going to come via the running backs. Uh, Bonix will get it maybe a little bit, but 325 yards or more uh, by Oregon's offense. They're not going to show a lot from a play perspective or excuse me, the library as Dan likes to now call it. I like the library term, by the way, I thought that was, I thought that was, I was new. Um, he's, he's had some, he's got some fun phraseologies. I'll say, um, I thought I'd get a little creative here and I'm going quarterback, running back, wide receiver and tight end. Each of those position groups scores a touchdown. Ooh. I didn't want to go offensive line because I don't know if they're going to run that Josh Connerly tackle eligible again. Um, <laughs> Kenny's now in, in Tempe, so I, I stayed away. But I think there's like because we I expect this to game to be very lopsided. I figured we just kind of have a little fun with it and, and throw something out there, and this will give me something to be following up in the in the press box a little more closely. So, I mean, Bo Nick scores a lot of a lot of touchdowns last year on the ground. He's healthy now. It seems like he wants to run. He mentioned that in the Jared mentioned the coaches show. He, he talked about the value of running on that show um the running backs pretty self-explanatory they're going to be involved and then i think between troy franklin and all the other guys and terrence ferguson at tight end i think all those position groups have a, a decent chance of getting in the end zone i didn't look up how many times that actually happened last year but it's probably not as many as you would think it would be my anticipation just because um the touchdown production from the tight end room was like either terrence ferguson scored like two touchdowns or there really wasn't much touchdown scoring so um yeah, so that's kind of where I landed. All, all four of those position groups find the end zone. I like that. That's, that is that is creative. Um, I was not very creative in my offensive team stat. Uh, I'm setting the over under at 550 and a half yards for the team offense. I'm taking the over. Um, you know, we went through the Washington stats uh, a couple of days ago on our podcast. They had 617 yards, 300 something through the air, and 240 on the ground. Um, I think Oregon will will. I don't know if they'll hit 600. I think they'll get over 550. Um, and I say that because of the the running clock. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. this will be um, an opportunity. I also uh, – we'll get to our score predictions later. But uh, I think the running clock with how often Oregon is going to run the ball this year is going to be uh, a difficult thing to kind of blow teams out and score like 60 or 70 points. So, And that's why I have the, the, the offensive total mildly low. Like last season, I probably would have bumped it up a little bit, but there's going to be some opportunities in the second half where I don't think they're just going to be 
uh, any plays that are getting off because of it. But I still think they'll get over 550 yards. I like it. I like that as well. Uh, offensive player here, Jordan James leads the Ducks in rushing yards. And this is where I got creative. Uh, he is going to hit at least half of his total rushing yards of 189 last season. So that means he's got to go for 94 and a half yards. This is literally my prediction. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I went like this. I, 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 I said all purpose, not rushing. I said all purpose. Okay. But same, same, con- okay. same exact concepts. Yep. So, yeah. So I've got him at 94 and a half yards rushing. Um, and I think he leads the team in rushing guards this season. Or not this season. Whoa. This game. That would have been. <laughs> that's not my that season. Wow. That would be. That would be. Yeah. I, I'm. Well, I, I'm in total agreement that Jordan James is, is going to probably play way more snaps than Bucky or Noah combined in this game. I would expect he's like basically out there for. I don't know the entire middle portion of the game when and at some point you expect Dante Dowdell and Jaden Lamar maybe to pop in there and, and handle things in the fourth. Um, but I'm with Matt. I think Jordan James is going to have a, a lot of a, a big role. He's going to be very involved because of I think the outcome of this game. And I don't think I mean, it's kind of similar to the spring game where I'm not sure if we saw hardly any Bucky Irving or Noah Whittington in that one. It was a lot of Jordan James and the two and the two freshmen. I think it's going to be kind of similar here. Um, so I'll say lead. I, I said all purpose yards. Um, I was just I was actually just pulling it up to see if it was viable to predict he would um, outproduce all of his all purpose yards from last year, but That'd be 195. So I'm not quite that That'd high. Be an on awesome him. game. That would be. Yeah, that'd be a great incredible. second half. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll just roll with honestly I'll just roll with what Matt said basically and say half of last <laughs> year because that was I was trying to figure out. It's interesting. He only had six yards receiving all of last year. So including all purposes, maybe we'll see. Maybe his role <laughs> in the offense will be a little larger this year. So I, I agree with you guys that Jordan James is going to be playing a lot and probably a significant amount in the second half. However, I've got Bucky Irving for 100-plus yards, two touchs, oh. all in the first Ooh. half. Ooh. That's my prediction. I think First half Oregon's over under here. I like it. Yeah. First half, 100 yards, two touchs. Um, I think that Oregon's going to get the run started early. Uh, Portland State, as we – kind of went through in our last podcast really uh off off script read, went through uh they lose a lot of their defensive players they lose a lot of their defensive linemen who are who were their most talented guys from a season ago yeah um i think this will be an easy test for oregon's offensive line um again i think oregon's offensive line is good i think they'll have an easy time here and i think irving could you know break free like this could happen in like three total touches like two 50 yarders that go to the house so um, all in the first half, 100 plus yards, two tuts. I was just gonna say, I almost feel like for this one to hit, his touches almost have to be below like 11 because of exactly what you said, Jared. Like a yeah. 40 yard run and then a 37 yep. yard touchdown run. Yep, and that's two of the 100 yards. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you guys remember last year, this was the inside joke because I kept betting, oh, Bucky. Yeah. And he, uh, he kept being like 93. I think there was one game he actually got over 100 and then lost. And then he lost a yard. Underneath it or something. Um, so good luck. Maybe new year, new Bucky. He gets over New year, new buck. I like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, defensive team prediction. Um, I went kind of boring on this one. Uh, I said they'd have at least three turnovers. But the one thing that I would make it a little harder for is three interceptions. I think the secondary gets some picks, one or two of them being nice plays by the, the DB or the linebacker just going underneath the route or whatever, catching the pass. And then a third one being either like a tipped ball that is just easily catched or caught, can't speak English apparently, caught by – a linebacker or something, or um, a throw that just sails way over the head of a, a, a target right into the lap of, of a DB. So three three turnovers, but they're all interceptions by Oregon's defense. Usually when we do this, I'll have like already published my Scopaldamus a little beforehand. I haven't done that yet. So Matt has no idea that we've gone, again, this is a duplicate. That's exactly what I had written down, <laughs> which is annoying. 
Um, <laughs> get off of my spreadsheet here because I'm, I'm looking oh, at it. It's like it's just the same thing. Um, and my my reason for three was that's his that's the quarterback Shesharay's uh, uh, career high. That was against Idaho last year. He actually didn't throw any picks against Washington, which was surprising. He played very poorly, and they got absolutely boat raced. But um, but yeah, I'm going with the same thing as Matt again. Which <laughs> gosh, if you're if you're defensive, like if you score, if you if we like match all these up, it's gonna be I don't even know what to do. You guys are <laughs> on the same same damn page today. That's Wait, impressive. We, we don't we don't compare notes. There's we no better, notes yeah, we sure, no, we sure never. Don't. No, we sure don't. We come we come locked and loaded. Um, <laughs> I, I have I'm setting the over under on tackles for loss at six and a half, and I'm taking Oregon over. Uh, I think that this is going to be a, a potential uh, bloodbath along the offensive and defensive line in the trenches for Oregon versus Portland State. Uh, and I like the opportunities that I'll kind of get to later from some of the secondary members to come down and, and have some actual speed out of the star spot and uh, make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I like their, I like Oregon's linebackers in this scenario. Uh, I think they could find – I guess those would be sacks, but uh, Sasha Ray is going to be a guy who's behind the line all day long and trying to get out and you know just tripping him up is going to be successful for Oregon's tackles for loss total. Um, I think that they'll – the defense – against an inferior opponent will try to play like they have something to prove from last year. So I expect them to come out with their hair on fire. I like that one as well. Uh, defensive player, Jared, I hope I didn't do this one uh, that you have equal as well. But uh, Devin Jackson leads the team in tackles mm -hmm. with Eric. Did I, like I do it. it? No, 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 you did not. Not at all. Okay. Got I saw we're, your face. We're independent thinkers. <laughs> Just this eight time. Ja Just this time. <laughs> Just this time. Devin Jackson leads Oregon in tackles with eight as he gets a lot of run in the second half. Much like Jordan James uh, for the offensive one. I don't think we see a lot of Jeffrey Bossa. Um, I don't think we see a lot of Jamal Hill. I almost had Jamal Hill because just like Eric with Bucky, Jamal Hill was my guy that I continued mm -hmm. to just pick and pick and pick. Uh, maybe the last two years. Um, but I went with Devin Jackson thinking – a lot of the starters aren't going to play a lot in this game. They shouldn't play a lot in this game. Enter Devin Jackson, freak athlete. Played in a couple of games last year, uh, and this is his opportunity to show out. Plus, I want the stock value to go up, so I'm hoping he he helps there too. Obviously. That's good. I I'm also, as we know, very high on – I think we're all very high on Devin Jackson for quite obvious. This is Jared's guy. I mean, this, this is Jared's is, Jared leads the uh, Devin Jackson band right mm -hmm. here. I went – this is like a, an addendum to my team one. I'm saying that the three interceptions that happen are all from transfer players. To make it a little bit okay. more bold. So it's like an Evan Williams gets an interception, like a Kyrie gets an interception, and a Taishim gets an interception. So it's mm -hmm. three different individuals, all of them transfers. It's not just those three. It could be any transfer player on defense. So it's a defensive group prediction. It's like an individual and a group. It's a little bit of a both. But yeah, it's it's uh. Depending the rules. Yeah, I, mean, I think Matt did this a little bit last year, but maybe maybe we should maybe I shouldn't uh, desire to be. Hey man, we're we're well. starting clean this year. We could uh, we could you know end those group group goals. I, all I like think this. I'm I, I think I'm making it more difficult on myself though. This, this yes, hardly is. any of those ever hit for me. So if Eric if Eric wants to make it even yeah. harder, I, go I mean for it. I need I need all three to be transfer players. That's gonna take that's 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 not easy. There are a lot of them, but. It, it's not a it's not a sure thing for sure. Could get a Jordan Birch interception. He does have one totally. in his career. I would love yeah. that. That would that would play. How That'd does that fun. happen? Not to sidetrack, but like, is it him just jumping up in the air and grabbing the it? Mace really effect. short. Yeah, or, that's a short or out route, is, and he just jumps up. Or is it a tipped ball that he just kind of like corrals? Could be that. Either or. I thought it was a screen pass. That he jumped by Birch's interception. Yeah, I, having it was yeah, rest, but yeah, yeah, he just plucked it. Athlete. It's like JT Tuamalau when he played against Penn State. Uh, just jump up and pluck it. Okay, um, I've got Tyshim Johnson here. He's going to mm. be my defensive individual. I have the over under at six and a half tackles, and the over under on mm. tackles for loss, as I kind of previewed in my defensive team prediction at uh, just a half. So. I'm going over on both. I think I'll have at least seven tackles and one tackle for loss. Um, I'm excited to watch Taishim Johnson play. 
Uh, I think it's going to provide a physicality that hasn't really, from the star specifically, that hasn't really been seen since like probably the 2019 Ducks where they kind of rotated a couple guys around at star. And yeah. when Javon Holland was back there, he could lay the wood. Even Brady Breeze was was good at hitting. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, I think he's going to be all over the field. I, I'm going to have him probably playing strong safety. At least that's what my defensive depth chart predictions have said. Yep. I think that's going to be a very comfortable spot for him to be. You kind of look at what Ben – because Bennett Williams played there a lot last season. So he's going to be in that role where he's going to have opportunities to make open field tackles. He's going to have opportunities to potentially rush the passer on a third and long and have some simulated pressure from Dan. So I like Taishim here. Over six and a half tackles and over a half tackle for loss. I like it. My concern, Jared, is do you think he plays a lot then? Or is he just a highly productive player when he's on the field in the first half? Um, I don't know. Both. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know. I I would would imagine they, they play the defense a little bit longer than the offense um, yeah. to get a little bit more chemistry. Like, I kind of think – We'll get to this in our predictions, but I'll just kind of lay it out right now. I kind of think the offensive line is going to be there in there for a long time yes, to get some I chemistry, agree. to get some connection. Even if like Ty Thompson goes in, in the second half, I think it'll still be the starting O-line. And I kind of feel the same way about at least the secondary for the defense. I agree. I, I would agree with both those comments. Um, all right, let's go into score picks. Um, I think... This game is going to be over by midway through the second quarter. Um, this is going to be very similar to what we saw with Oregon against BYU when they rattled off, what, like seven or eight straight drives with touchdowns. Um, I think Oregon's offense is going to be unstoppable. I think Oregon's defense will create some early turnovers, which will help accelerate the scoring for Oregon. That's why we get such a high score. Uh I'm going Oregon 63 with Portland State tacking on 17 second half points. So 63-17 when this game is over, or that's when Portland State does some of their scoring. But if, I don't know who where I saw this, if it was on the board or not. Maybe you guys have saw this or not. But Bruce Barnum, Portland State's head coach, has also talked about once the game kind of gets out of hand, pulling his own starters so that he ensures that they're healthy four games down the road as well, which I don't know if that's a true comment. I think I saw it on our board. Um, I quickly looked for this, the quote, but there's not a lot of Portland state stories out there, but that could be a factor that could maybe limit things for, for the Vikings. If, if, if they pull their starters too, and they don't play a full game, uh, that could make this game get really ugly real quick. That is interesting. I haven't, it's also interesting because you rarely hear coaches talk about the what they would do in those outcomes, right? Like even Dan was asked, like I think that was his first question he was asked yesterday yeah. um, about like, do you hope to get a lot of guys in? And he was saying, I hope to win the game and then that stuff will figure itself out. It's interesting that Bruce was already thinking in those terms um, at this point. So He's also a different coach, very different coach. Oh, than- I, I've, I actually, he's fun to listen to. He's a, he's a character. Yes. There's no question. Um, and you probably need to be to be in a role like this. Um, so Oregon and Portland State have played five times previously. <clears throat> My pick is pretty simple. I add, I just found the average score for each team in those games. Oregon won all five previously by a lot. So the actual average score in those meetings is fifty-eight to eight, and I'm just going to say that's the score. Uh, not much more than that. Just right. thought eight. it was. A- yeah, just to go for two. I don't know. That's just right. what, that's yeah. what the that's what the math told me. Fifty uh, eight's also kind of a weird number. Uh, it's going to take some very strange two points or some missed extra points and a field goal, something like that. Something yeah. weird will happen. Safeties, but uh, yeah, just in general, my my thought is this game is is lopsided. And I I will say that this does not take into account the new clock rules, which I think Jared is is wise to bring up because it could limit some of the offensive production um in this game and for those unfamiliar it's it's just basically the, the stop the clock no longer stops on a first down unless it's in the final two minutes of each half so it's go, we're basically mm-hmm. going to closer to professional rules which i which i don't mind and it'll slow it'll slow the game down a little bit I, I think i saw some somewhere that it cuts about six to eight plays per game out approximately at least that's what it did um in week zero so 
that's something to kind of monitor. I didn't really take that into account, as you can tell, because 58 to 8 is probably very unlikely to be the exact score. But um, from a historical perspective, I thought it was worth kind of acknowledging that these games are never very close, and this is what the average is. There you go. I've got a very similar score. I got 56 to 10. Um, I think this – I kind of took into uh, into equation the new clock rules. Um, I guess my worry if I'm really, like, hoping that Oregon correctly picks or correctly scores 56 points – my worry, I was talking about this with, with James Crepio, the Oregonian, is what if you know Oregon's ahead 35 to nothing and they're heading into the second half and they just throw 14J out there and they mm-hmm. just run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust. They take off 40 seconds every single time. It could be the end of the third quarter by the time Oregon gets to like the 12-yard line. So there's a chance that happens. Um, I'm not sure it will just because that many running plays in a row uh, could get some guys fatigued, some injuries might happen, so maybe not. But there is that possibility that the, that Oregon just is up by a plenty and uh, just runs the ball for the rest of the game and doesn't score in the 50s, maybe barely into the low 40s, which I'm sure some some fans would get their you know pants in a bundle and be kind of set the set about that. Um, but I got 56 to 10. I think they score. I think they do a lot of it in the first half, like Matt said, kind of get some interceptions, maybe a, a fumble recovery, give their offense another chance to uh, take some chances. There you go. Um, and score some 50, over 50 points. So we're all predicting a cover of the mythical 42 and a half points. I believe uh, so. Yeah, I've got 50. Jared had 46. 46. And Matt had 46, I think. Yeah. Yes. All right. We either are going to hit it strong or we're going to crash and burn with, with that mythical fake betting line. I, I think it's pretty likely it's pretty that. Fair. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that line's pretty reasonable considering where mm-hmm. these two teams are at. So I, I think this is about, I think all of our scores are kind of in, in the right ballpark. So since 2010, Oregon has played Portland State twice before 69 to nothing in 2010 and then 62 to 14 in 2018 um Mm. i saw someone also talk about with me uh we're talking about score outcomes and stuff and he said oregon better beat 55 12 and from that's what oregon did in 2006 and if you remember that 2016 was not a yeah good football team so uh if they don't score in the 50s that could be some concern, unless it's like what Jared said, where we get just some drives that just take nine minutes of game clock. Was yeah. uh was 06 Bilotti's only season without a winning record? Is that what that was? Is that the year they I'm lost? trying to think. Is that 06 or is that – yes, that is 06 because they lost to uh, Indiana week one. Okay. Yes. Hoosier. That was a bad day. That was, that was a bad day bad day i remember <laughs> i was in high school everybody was very unhappy with that oh no sorry it was 2004 was the year they went less than 500 2006 though they, they that was his seven and six that was his yes 2006 was the uh vegas bowl where everyone got drunk before they went and played in a football game um which was hard to do yeah <laughs> that was liquid that courage was 38 to 8 against the mormons who and mormons did not did, BYU, who did yes. not consume any alcohol that night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the podcast. Next time you hear from us, it'll be post-game from uh, Oregon versus Portland State. Uh, we'll have a post-game reaction on there. Go to deckterritory.com leading up to the game for full coverage. Also sign up with a VIP membership, 50% off, or upgrade. If you're a current subscriber and you're monthly, you can get that annual subscription bumped up as well. Uh, until Saturday night, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. 
Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.